Alrighty, everybody, welcome to D3 TV's new podcast. I'm calling it Eye of the Tigers. Today, my, well, first off, my name is Kiwi, um, and today I am joined with May Crosby. Um, she is the general manager for D3 TV, along with being a media fellow, a resident assistant here on campus, and she's also the scene shop assistant in the GCPA. Welcome, May. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. So um, let's just get started here and um, let's do a little bit of introduction about ourselves, like um, mainly about you because this episode's about you. So um, tell me a little bit about yourself, what you do. I know I said kind of what like what you're involved in, but, you know, tell me about it. Um, I guess to start off uh, as a scene shop assistant, um, I help in the uh, scene shop in the GCPA, our Green Center for Performing Arts, building sets for our theater performances and setting up for some music performances we might have. Um, I don't work there often, but sometimes during tech week, like uh, a couple weeks ago, we just had our opera. So I had worked about 20 hours on there in like um, eight days, I think. Um, and then I'm a media fellow here, which is one of the fellowship programs that we have on the DePaul campus. Um, and really, we just learn more about media, how it controls our lives, um, and how um, really the discourse of it. And I am hoping to find a summer internship um, for it um, this summer, this summer and next summer, because it's a requirement um, to have either semester long or two summers. And I am trying to graduate as a double major in film studies and English writing as well. My goodness. So um, <laughs> if I take a semester off, I, I don't think that would be possible. Yeah. Um, so I'm waiting to hear back from them. Um, and, of course, um, being part of the Media Fellows, one of the requirements is taking part in one of our three media um, outlets that we have here on campus, the DePaul um, WGRE, our radio station, and of course, D3 TV, our television station, of which I am the general manager of. <laughs> um, and I'm just getting into this role this semester. I'm going into about week five of really um, going through the ropes, um, understanding how people work, how the board works, how um, people most effectively communicate. And it's just really interesting to learn more about people and as well as myself, how I work better, if I do better under stress or how well lined up my ducks need to be <laughs> in order for me to be the best that I can for everyone else. Um, but before I was a general manager of D3 TV, I was also a producer on show. I did like a little rip-off unboxing. You know, you see those electronic, high-end, expensive unboxings of yeah, laptops yeah. and phones. This is more college space, and you know college kids broke. So I was like, <laughs> here's some tools. Uh, here's a cool little multi-tool pin, one and six, or like a 14-in-one um, hammer outdoor yeah. woodsy thing that um, Larry, our faculty advisor of D3TV, actually wanted to keep. So I think he has that. Um, and then also I was the web director last semester, um, just making sure the website was updated with the new board and keeping up with the shows to upload. Um, so people who are interested in D3TV can go there, see what some of our shows are like. Um, and that actually is the job that you've taken over now. It is, so. it is, yeah. So um, now knowing like the couple of jobs that you've had at D3TV, um, what is it that really got you interested in the first place to join the station? I'm really interested in film production. Yeah. And just everything about, I like puzzles, and it's cool to see how things start from scratch, you know, pre-production, the planning, 
um, all the way to filming it and then editing it um, just using Adobe Premiere. I love Adobe yeah. Premiere. Um, some people might choose Vegas over Adobe Premiere. Uh, <laughs> or, or the little, so I have an, not to cut you off, but I have an editing software on my laptop and it just comes like pre-downloaded on my laptop. Oh, that's and cool. uh, hold on, it's like the, it's, it's what video editing used to be when we were like 12 and we would make those like tiny little movies on our phones, yeah. you know? <laughs> and so I used that for one of my projects last year. And now like while I'm on the road, that's probably what I'm going to be using to edit these. So it's funny that you say like, oh, I love Adobe or if you like Vegas. No, if you like the pre-downloaded <laughs> stuff that comes free, that is also a good shout. Hey, free stuff is good. iMovie on the iPhones and all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly that's exactly what it feels like only on my laptop so mm -hmm. it feels a little bit more professional but it's still terrible <laughs> very fair um but yeah adobe premiere is probably my number one best friend here um working for d3 tv and editing the videos and um and then we get to um, after his editing we just distribute it to our marketing team and they send it out on social medias and all that stuff and it's just really cool to see after all the work you've put into it see how it's turned out. It's also really interesting because you mentioned the little puzzle and it's fun to see how little pieces fit in each place because I know Larry talks a lot about that in his class and um, so for those of you who are listening who have never taken Larry's class, um, there is a class here called Televisual Literature and Production um, and you do a lot of video editing um, and one of the things that he talks about, especially in the first project that you do, and I'm not going to give any spoilers just in <laughs> case anyone would like to take the class that hasn't, um, but Part of what he talks about is that um, video editing and video making um, and production is all about it. It's, it's all a game. It's all a puzzle. And how each piece fits is the fun part because that's what you get to decide. And you have all the creative, um, you know, decisions to make in order to make that puzzle look as pretty as possible. So, yeah, I think that's, that's really... That's really one of the cool things about editing. There's so many things at your disposal just in that software that like you could have something that kind of looks like you know pretty much like crap, but then turn <laughs> it into something beautiful and amazing just with a little touch of coloration here, a little bit of keyframe in there, yeah, and then boom, you've got something wonderful. Yeah. So to continue on this D3 TV, um, we've seen how you know you've wanted to get into it. Um, you talked about the show that you produced, the unboxing that you did. Um, but what really got you motivated to want to take on this general manager position? Because I know it's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. um, and you say, you know, it's, it's fun trying to figure out, like, how to keep your ducks in a line. But, um, but what, what made you originally want to take on that much work? Um, I've really, ever since fall of my freshman year, so fall of 2021, I'm only a sophomore. Um, I was hanging out doing homework in the D3 TV area. And I, Larry, I just came across Larry, and he kept talking to me. Um, telling me about D3 TV, mm -hmm. and he's like, I've been preparing you for this job. I was like, okay, <laughs> you know what? I'll, I'll try it out. Um, it gives me more of a leadership position role, um, which really helps you in the future and your careers. Yeah, of course. Um, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, so we have to mention this because I, uh, I just can't. I'm not going to be able to get off this now. So this is, since this is the first podcast that D3 TV is doing, Larry has been super excited about it. Oh, yeah. He's been talking about it all week, and he just opened the door to peek his head in, and it was the funniest thing. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right, well, that was a good, like, uh, break off of just talking about we've, – we've, we've talked about D3 TV. We've talked about what you do. So now 
I want to talk about this film studies, you know, major that you want to go into. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know you said you want a double major, but film studies specifically, what, why? Like, what got you in it? Um, Really, I just like movies, seeing how stories are made, seeing what they can be told, and um, what metaphors and what lessons you can learn from stories. Yeah. Uh, right now, this semester, we uh, together are in a <laughs> class with the wonderful Professor Seth Friedman. Um, Fantastic class, by the oh, way. Yeah. Uh, 10 out of 10 recommend Seth. Um, but I've learned just in the c- first couple of weeks that we've had the class, it's really opened my eyes as to how much um, film is um, run by culture, you know, impacted by culture, plus also how film creates a culture of itself. Yeah. And I've learned, uh, like, I, I knew some of our American history, but, like, I've learned so much more just reading through textbooks and yeah. talking about it in class and then really seeing how it's portrayed in films. And that's really opened my eyes. And um, part of uh, what film studies is, it's just, I guess, teaching others, too. And um, I think film is a great way to, you know, just reach out to others. Yeah, so um, the class that we're in together is called Film and Culture. Um, he also teaches a global media and culture, I think, yes. or global film, something like that. I think so, yes. Um, and so we, so far, we're in, our Western, we're in our Western unit, and we're just getting out of it. Um, and I, I mean, I would emphasize a lot of the same things that you said, especially about this class. One, it's a fantastic class. I will say it's a lot of work, a lot of reading that I have not done for any other class, Mm -hmm. but it is so interesting how a a movie that's supposed to, usually we think of film as a way to distract ourselves from what's going on in the world or, you know, a way to entertain us when we're bored or, you know, things like that. But the more that we watch and analyze, um, you know, these films like Dodge City, like McCabe and Miss Miller, and then The Searchers, um, those are the three films that we've watched so far. Um, later this week, we'll have to watch The Jazz Singer yep. um, to analyze on Friday. But it's so interesting to look at how the storylines, one, play out in a way that's like, you know, it, it's the same no matter what film you, you look at. Like, mm-hmm. there's always this, you know this hero there's always this villain and then there's always like you know a way where everything at the end ends up okay and you know all it's 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 an equation it's 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 a science really and it's all put together the same way in all three films there are certain differences of course and we look at those differences in the in the class but um the rather larger um thing that's i think is more that's way more important is how it comments on life um, you know, the three films that we've watched have been set in the 18, late 1800s or early 1900s yeah. when they were made in the 1930s, 1940s, 1950s. And <clears throat> the, the film we just watched, The Searchers, it comments on, um, it, it uses the um, battle between Native Americans and, you know, the white people who <laughs> live in America. Yeah. Um, I, there's, that's really the best way to put it. Yeah. Um, it uses that kind of conflict to comment on the larger, in the 1950s, the civil rights movement. And, um, you know, I, I don't think we take enough time to talk about the film itself um, and how it, it comments on the cultural, you know, things that are going on in the, in, in the 1950s because we spent a lot of time talking about history and what it looked like in the 1850s rather than the 1950s. But, 
you know, I, I really wish there was more time in that class to talk about more because there's so many like things and so many paths we could go down when it comes to discussing these films that we've watched. And it is like it blows my mind. Yeah, for sure. Whenever people are like, make connections, make connections. I've kind of been a little bit lazy and like, eh, <laughs> yeah. connections are fine. But like, yeah. these connections are insane. Like, I had no idea how just like having a white southerner, you know, battle or a disagreement against uh, Native Americans, how that would connect to like the civil rights movements in the 1950s, mm-hmm. the Brown versus the Board of Education Supreme Court case, and just really um, what drove this movie to become a film and why it was so significant during that time and the the impact it had on other filmmakers at the time I mean we've talked we talked about in class how you know the searchers itself was a film that um you know gave uh George Lucas is that who created Star Wars yes George Lucas yeah so how it gave George Lucas like this inspiration like no other and he actually pays homage to it in episode four I think of Star Wars um and so the impact that one film can have on the entire industry itself, but also the impact that it can have on culture as well. I think it's, it's so interesting. A lot of work, but very interesting class. Sure. And this class, you know, if I ever do want to end up making films or something when I'm older for my career, it's really opened my eyes as to how much I have to pay attention to how I oh, 100%. Set, set my mise-en-scene, um, <laughs> how I write my story, how I frame the shots. It, yeah all plays into narrative and yeah well and I think like I think what people overlook in film is how every creative you know um decision that is put into a film is used one as an art but two to comment on something larger so um when we look at films where um you know the camera looks like it's inside and you're looking at a door frame and someone is outside of the door which is a, a scene that we see twice in the searchers and it, and the way that we talked about how that comments on what's happening in the movie one there's there's a creative decision to show that there's a separation between two worlds mm-hmm. but also just like not only that it's not only is it a creative decision to to you know allude to a separation in two worlds but how is that commenting on the culture that it that it is, you know, set in or that it's supposed to be representing, right? So, like, this film, The Searchers, is a film depicting the 1850s, but how does this creative decision depict the 1950s? Yeah, I don't know. It's, like, just all the thought that goes into it, it's insane. It's in, yeah. Sometimes sometimes you think of filmmakers as people who, like, you know, they just, they're good at writing stories, but... Yeah. But, like, when you actually analyze what all goes into it, like, these are artistic geniuses. Yeah, and, like, these movies take, I mean, that movie took two years from uh, from pre-production <coughs> to post-production, I believe. So, like, these films take a while, too. And yeah. All the thought that goes into it during that time is unbelievable. Yeah. Well, um, so we've talked about film, um, and we've talked about D3 TV. So you said you like music, correct? I do like music, yeah. What kind of uh, what kind of music do you like to uh, listen to? Really, just depends on um, what I'm going through, what I'm feeling. Um, most recently, on these nice sunny days, after just having these cold gray winter days, yeah. um, I've got <laughs> I've got a place on my Spotify just called like vac- Vacation Vibes, you know? Yeah. Where I've got um, sunny feeling, warm freedom, um, and one of my favorite ones is um, I think it's Sunroof. 
I can't, I can't remember the artist. Um, I want to say it's something like that. <laughs> but I don't know. I just get a feeling of freedom that goes through me. Um, I like, generally, though, I like pop. Um, more like the 2010s. Yeah. I feel like that's a really good era for pop. Yeah. Um, sometimes I'll like um, indie folk, too. Indie is good. I I have um, quite a few playlists that are that are indie focused, but I'm 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 kind of the same way where it, it it doesn't just depend on my mood, but like I I listen to everything, so my playlist can go from classical to someone screaming in my ears. Uh, yeah. And and I and I even have um, so I have a St. Patrick's Day playlist too because St. Patrick's Day is my favorite holiday. So I'll have like just random days where I'm like, you know what? Today feels like a good day. I'll throw on my St. Patrick's Day playlist and people will look at me like I'm crazy, which is fine. I, you know, people can think what they want. Yeah, it's fine. Sure. But um, yeah, so just kind of like not only what I'm feeling, but also just like, oh, I haven't listened to this playlist in a while. Yep. So I'll whack it on. And sometimes I'll be playing Christmas in like April or May. I love Christmas music too. That's that I can't relate to. <laughs> I cannot relate to that. I'm not a big Christmas person. I know that's fair. That's Hot fair. take, but Christmas is not the best holiday. That's fair. We all have our favorite holidays. What is your favorite holiday? <laughs> I did already say it. Jane Patrick's Day? Yeah. Ah, sorry about that. No, it's okay. Uh, Very sorry about that. that was just... <laughs> it's okay. You're fine. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, St. Patrick's Day. I think like when it comes to Christmas, it's become a holiday where people are like, give me, give me, give me, rather than like what it's traditionally supposed to be celebrated for. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, that's family, religion, stuff like that. Um, And I just, I can't, I I can't get behind the whole, oh, give me this, give me that. I want this, I want that. It's so exhausting. I really just like the cozy, warm family feeling. Just I don't know, sitting See, by and, the fireplace. And, and 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 if that's why you like Christmas, I hundred percent support it. Yeah. But but with what it's what it like, tr- what it's become versus what traditionally it's it was like. For sure. That's where I'm like, ugh. For so, sure, for sure. I'm with but, you on that one. Yeah. All right. So, music, film, D three TV. You said you work for the scene shop. I do, yes. What does that entail? Because I know that, like, you make sets and stuff, but that doesn't really, you know. Uh, you're messing with power tools, saws, um, <laughs> screw guns, um, screwing things together, taking these apart, um, cleaning up messes, you know, just sweeping. Um, What's been your favorite set to build? Ooh. Hmm. Good question. okay if you don't have an answer i don't think i have an answer really yeah i don't think i don't think i've worked on enough sets for enough time to really give you an actual solid answer on that well have you only been the shop assistant this year no i've been there since november um november 2021 so it's been a while it's just i don't go in often because school Mm -hmm. and now this year ra position Mm -hmm. so i've got to put those two first and then now general manager um got to make sure all those ducks are in a row first and thankfully my supervisor at the scene shop is very understanding of that and she's like just come in whenever you can yeah um so it's a nice little side work study yeah but um it's not something i do whenever i have free time well so then if you don't have a favorite you must at least have a least favorite a least favorite um a set that was a pain in the butt 
set that didn't make sense. I guess the opera last year. Yeah. We what had, was what was the set you had to build? We had two separate operas that were played intersectionally. Like it was um, one opera Thursday night, the next one Friday night, and then the other one Saturday night, and then the other one Sunday afternoon. I don't remember the names of them, but they had like two pillars next to them, and like they were able to be used in both of them. But they we had to move them everywhere, and it was just a pain in the butt to yeah. try to move them in time because we only have like I don't know like. 30 seconds, I guess, to move stuff during shows, too. Yeah. So it's all like a time crunch type of deal, and that was a little bit iffy, <laughs> I guess. Okay. All right. Hmm. So I um, I never worked on the sets it for, um, like, the musicals or plays for high school, but I was in the musicals and plays. Nice. So I always had um, some kind of, like, appreciation for, mm-hmm. the, <laughs> for the crew because I know that, like, that is a such a hard job to do. For sure. For and like sure. you're moving everything so that I can do my fun stuff. Like you yeah. guys are doing the hard work and I get to do the fun stuff. So yeah. I've always had like a special appreciation for the shop and you know what they do. So thank you, thank you. Yeah, sometimes Jay's during Tech Week, um, right before the show, mm-hmm. she's working there late at night, probably ten or eleven p.m. Yeah. And sometimes I'll see her there all day on the weekends too. Um, so and that work for her, especially is underappreciated i feel like oh 100 percent. yeah yeah i think i think there are a lot of things um within film that are or i mean not film um within like theater and um music that like are very underappreciated like um the type of production that goes on behind the scenes mm-hmm. um you know when we think of live performances we think of the crew that move the set pieces stuff like that but we also think of the music that you know the band that brings their um, you know, that works for that really long time to be able to play the music that you need so that you can do your fun thing. Um, or when we talk about music itself, pre-recorded, you know, the producers who create the backtracks and stuff like that, or even, you know, some artists, a lot of artists don't even write their own music. So the, the writers who sit behind the scenes, you know, all day, I mean, granted that's what they love that's what they love to do and they probably wouldn't be doing it if they didn't but still like we don't we don't focus on that enough we just focus on the big you know big name people we see in front of us instead yeah and it's really interesting to see like how much work goes in musicians scene workers even the actors and the performers they're taking months to create their act for only what four nights three nights three or four performances um so hope you know it really all does pay off in the end. You know what I would love to do? I would love to be um, cast in a production of some kind, and you know how there are actors and uh, who will take the persona that they're supposed to be playing months months out, and they will embody that persona. They will live their day to day life yeah. as that person, just so that when they get into the film or when they get into the play or whatever it is that they nail that character. I would love to try and do that. Yeah, the one person I can think of uh, most recently was Austin Butler, who played Pro- uh, yeah. Elvis Presley. Yeah. Um, didn't, uh, didn't Heath Ledger do it, too, for... Um, uh, crap. It's, right, it's, like, literally right on the top. I'll get it later. <laughs> I don't know much of Heath Ledger. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I'll get it later. Fair. I'll remember it later, but... He continue. was, I think... I don't. I think he didn't see his family for three years. What I read somewhere. Yeah. Maybe. Um. Don't quote me on that. But <laughs> I remember that. 
Um, and he, like he even had his southern accent for Elvis, like even for a few months after the. I was gonna say, yeah, he definitely when he got that when he got when he won an award for it, didn't he do his acceptance speech with like half a southern accent and half not? Oh yeah, probably. Yeah, <laughs> probably, probably. Um, but yeah, I used to play the piano too, um, and I guess. I don't know if my love for music came from the piano first or piano or music, you know, just listening to it and then piano. But um, I stopped doing that last uh, this year, actually, just to focus more on academics. But um, piano is a pretty good music skill. I was going to ask, why did you stop? Um, Is it deeper than just academics or was it just like you didn't have time for it anymore? I think that mostly I was too stressed trying to fit it into my day to day um, life just putting an hour into practice and I remember going to Jay one time in the scene shop and just with tears in my face I had a bad practice session I was like I'm done I can't do this anymore yeah I'm too stressed and then this stress is not helping me practice more efficiently so um it was a tough decision to make but like um I guess I had to put other things that mattered more to me first fair so we've talked about your um ranking system of what's you know important when it comes to extracurricular stuff and on the very top of that list is one thing we haven't talked about yet being a resident assistant yeah so this is my first year being a resident assistant um i have my interview uh at 4 p.m today about (laughs) an hour after i get on my intro to digital film production class um and I'm, I'm not exactly nervous for it because, like, I know more than just this interview is going into my deciding factor. 100%. I'm just, you know, I'm hopeful, um, and I just got to prepare okay. And um, I think I had a pretty good year this year, considering it was the first year. I mean, my residents were loud, but, you know, you're going to get that with <laughs> freshmen. Um, and um, I really enjoyed making those connections and helping others. Um, just navigate their first year into college. And um, it was interesting to see it from a different perspective because last year I was one of those people. Yeah. You know? Um, and just knowing that I could be a person they trusted and also a person that HRL, Housing Residence Life here at DePaul, can trust too is a gratifying feeling. Yeah. So this is my second year um, on staff. And I remember last year. I was a first-year resident assistant, and then this year I am a sophomore resident assistant. Um, but the ways in which I grew, I grew as a person were, s- like, I don't think I would ever be able to sit in this room and do a podcast with anyone. Mm-hmm. That's first off. And also, when I compare myself to who I was before I came to college, oh, before I came to college, I was an introvert. Mm-hmm. And May, probably I know you're going to laugh because knowing me now, you could never see it. Yeah. I could sit, now I could sit and talk to a brick wall and have an amazing conversation. Nice. <laughs> I, told, I told that to one of my other friends and they said, I think you might have a problem. And I said, no, no, you just don't get it. Um, but in high school, I was, I was an introvert. I had one or two friends. And I don't think friends is a measure of, you know, whether you're ext- introverted or extroverted. But mm-hmm. I didn't talk to many people. I put work before everything else. Yeah. Um, and then... Coming to college, you know, my first year was kind of the same, but kind of different because I was trying to figure out how to live by m- I live on my own, and it was through COVID too. So mm-hmm. um, <laughs> there was a there was a lot of growth, but also not a lot because I wasn't allowed to interact with people. Um, and then becoming a, a resident assistant, I completely changed. Yeah. Like now, 
as I as I alluded to, I am an extreme extrovert. Like in the morning, in order to wake up, I have to sit and have a conversation with someone, because mm-hmm. that's where I get my energy from. Is just sitting and talking to other people. It's funny because my friend Anna, who is also a resident assistant, who may knows as well, she is an introvert. She's an extroverted introvert where she can go out and she loves to talk to people, but as soon as her battery dies, she needs to go lay on her floor face down for hours before she can even think about talking to someone else again. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> and I, I could never imagine doing that. I'm more of a person who becomes an extrovert the more I get to know people. Yeah, that's like, fair. When I'm first know, um, with like strangers, I guess, or getting to know them, like I won't open up much. But like once they kind of get to know me, I'll be acting a little bit crazy and... um but with my residents um it's kind of in between like i'm not super shy or reserved from them but also i'm not completely wild i think last night while i was in the middle of rounds i was just alone in my alone i thought i was alone walking down the hallway oh gosh and i just like jumped up and like touched the top of one of my residence doors um you know just the you know i'm tall i can jump yeah of course that kind of thing um and i just heard her and she's like oh nice job may i was like oh thanks (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah, it's just kind of cool seeing um, how much they can bring out of you and what wonders can do if you just open up a little bit more. 100%. And I think, too, like when you connect with the people that you're living with um, on your floor as you know a mentor and as someone that they can look up to and look to for when things get hard, especially coming to college and trying to you know navigate this whole change in – okay, I don't have someone telling me what to do all the time and I have all of this off time where I get to figure out, you know, what to do with it and I get the, you know, the decision, I get all the decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when you're just thrown into there, especially because I know we go through training, but you're never fully prepared until you actually start doing it. Oh yeah, for sure. And I think that not only does it help your residents being that type of person, but it truly makes you grateful for the people that you had when you were there. Mm-hmm. I know um, when I, last year, when I had just started becoming um, an RA, um, when I had started becoming an RA, I <clears throat> felt really grateful that I had all of these really cool people around me all the time that helped me make good decisions and, um, you know, helped me transition to you know, figuring out what to do for myself rather than just being told what to do. Or, you know, I worked three jobs in high school and I played travel softball. So there wasn't much free time. And then when I got to college, I had to figure out, okay, what am I going to do with all of this time that I have, especially because my classes were all online. So it it made me really grateful in hindsight um, for the people that I had um, and the things that they would do for me and as well as that I would do for them. Um, and it made me want to continue to be that person for other people, you know? Oh, yeah, so. for sure. I'm a very hands-on learner. And, like, um, there is one incident that I had earlier this year. Um, and, like, I didn't really know exactly what to do. But, like, once I figured it out, read the handbook, like, I feel like I'm better prepared for it now. Um, yeah. Just if it were to happen again. Well, and it's also, I think it's really, um, it's really difficult sometimes to say you're a resident assistant. Actually... Funny story, at other schools, when you tell people that you're an RA, they run away from you and they don't want to talk to you because they think that all you do is enforce policy. And that might be true for other schools, but 
I really like how at DePaul, we don't have that same kind of stigma behind yeah, being sure. a, being an RA. Um, I've talked to one of my friends about this in at great lengths because he's like, you know, before before last year, he would never say that he was an RA. He would just be like, if you mentioned that I was an RA, I would immediately tell you to shut up mm-hmm. because I don't need people knowing that. Whereas I think, like, last year when I would uh, – First off, the entire first year class, pretty much, of your class knew who I was. Mm -hmm. Because I was always out and I was always talking to people, like, in the quad, wherever it was, in different buildings. And and so, like, I always felt comfortable mentioning, oh, yeah, I'm an RA, because the people that were, you know, on my floor would be like, oh, my God, there's my RA. And it was never something that I was afraid to tell people that I was. Mm -hmm. And And at other schools... It's completely different, I think. This is just what I've heard. It's completely different where they are doing the same thing that we used to do. And now we take pride in saying that we're an RA. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's a great um, leadership role that, I mean, you're given here on campus. And I've only really, we just recently did interviews for new hires. Yeah. And, like, there are a lot of people who are like, oh, yeah, my art was wonderful. I really enjoyed it. He, uh, He or she or they were there for me. Um, when I needed help, and, like, um, they really inspired me, and I want to be able to help others um, yeah. in the role that they did help me. So that was really great to hear, too, from others. Yeah, no, it was I, – I didn't – when I was doing interviews, I didn't get to hear that, but I did have um, Nikki tell me that she was like, you've gotten some high praise today, and I was like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it, but, oh, God. For sure, for sure. Alrighty, well, I'm going to end with this last question. You said you like dogs. Do you have any dogs? No, my mom won't let me, but as soon as I graduate from college and get settled in with a career, I know I can support myself and a dog, of course. I definitely want to get dog, get a dog, uh, definitely more than one. Okay, You know. well, to end the podcast yeah. for, for this week, all right, when you get the opportunity, what type of dog is going to be that dog that you want to get? So I would really want to get a Bernese Mountain Dog. They're so oh, big, they're beautiful. so fluffy, so beautiful. Um, just I feel like giant. What were they called? Giant teddy bears, probably. Um, but I'm definitely gonna get one from like a shelter or something because you know they they need it more than you know the purebreds. In, in my opinion, at yeah. least they just need a home. So once I go there, um, I'll get me one of those. If I find a Bernese there, I'm definitely getting a Bernese <laughs> there. But it's unlikely, but that would be my dream dog to have. Alrighty, May. Well, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. And this has been Eye of the Tigers with Kiwi and my guest, May Crosby. Stay tuned in, Tigers, for next week's episode with Drew Cosgray. Awesome. Have a good one.